Hey there, and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray, the podcast for people who like wine, but not all the stuffiness that sometimes goes along with it. And you know, speaking of wine, many people, many wine lovers daydream about maybe becoming a winemaker themselves. However, that would involve a career change, which a lot of people are unable to do. Today's guest made just such a move, going from the world of theater, film, and stage to winemaking. Her pivot was gutsy, but as you get to know Sabrine Rodham's winemaker at Rathwines, you'll see it's perfectly in keeping with her character and personality. She is a bold winemaker, passionate, and she's also a ton of fun, and we're so excited to have her on our show today. We, of course, are the two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Mary Babbitt. And I'm Mary Orlin, and I just have to set the scene for you here. We are sitting outside on the patio of Rath Wines here in the middle of the Santa Lucia Highlands and the Salinas Valley in Monterey County. And we are overlooking the estate San Saba Vineyards. There's a beautiful pond right in front of the tasting room with lily pads and reeds and in the distance there's a Queen Anne Victoria house and there's a story to that. There's many stories here at Wrath and um, you would think that the winery is named for the Grapes of Wrath, the book by John Steinbeck, one of the local heroes, but that's not so and we'll find out why. <laughs> we are in the Salinas Valley, <laughs> Steinbeck country, but yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. So Sabrine, welcome to Sip Sip Hooray. Well, thank you for having me. It's super fun to be here and this is just like paradise looking out yeah, at the scene. Yeah, we always say every day, it just, it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> not it's at all. It's pretty nice here and... Uh, uh, we love sitting out here after, you know, we call it the 430 glass of Sablonc. <laughs> Don't tell the owners. Uh, but yeah, we love sitting out here after work and just relaxing for a little bit. And uh, the views here are spectacular. And if any of you have not been down to the Salinas Valley, where a lot of row crops are, uh, a lot of grapes are, a lot of avocados, a lot of citrus here as well. Uh, it's really a beautiful place and you really see a person to product what you're getting Yes, which is so great. You get yeah. to see the hands-on work and, yeah, taste the vineyards right here. So tell us how a theater person ends up making wine in the Salinas Valley. Well, I, I actually had a really great career as a, as a stagehand, and, uh, but it's a lot of hard work, just like anything is a lot of hard work. I, I shouldn't say that because, you know, being a winemaker at a small winery is definitely... Um, a lot of hard work, especially when you're the only one here for, I was the only one here for a very long time. Um, but uh, I just knew when I was getting close to the end of my 20s that, you know, I didn't want to be unloading trucks the rest of my life, although I, that's kind of still what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get to that point where my sisters were both scientists and, you know, the, they, you know, the grass is always greener. I think they always wanted to be more arty and more like me in their careers. And I always wanted to be more sciencey like them in their careers. And, uh, you know, I always say that's the problem when your parents tell you you can do whatever you want, because then you're like, oh, maybe I can, you know. And so I, I left, although I still, I still keep my union card, Local 16, uh, IATSE San Francisco. I pay my dues every year and I keep my card. Uh, but um, I love that job. It was a great job. I had a great experience there, but I just knew I needed something else for my vocation. And you and were working with the San Francisco Opera. I was at the Opera House and then I had gone, I had done four seasons with the Opera House and then I had done about four or five years out, mostly in the film business. Uh, in a lot of theater as well, worked. You know, we we work everywhere there. In fact, sometimes you go and run slides at Moscone Center. You know, if they need somebody. Um, at least that's how it was when I was there. You sort of did the tour. Uh, but I worked in a lot of in on a lot of films uh, back when uh, 
Robin Williams and people were setting up sound stages out at uh, Mare Island or in Alameda in the old Navy stations. And so we'd just go into these big warehouses and uh, that were, some of them were for munitions, some of them were for holding parts or whatever, and we would make them into sound stages and, wow. and that's what we did back then, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. A lot of fun, yeah. So going from music to winemaking, um, are there comparisons between opera and opera productions and winemaking? You know, yeah, I think I think actually that's a good analogy because timing is everything in both of those businesses. And if you're standing in the wrong spot backstage at Phantom of the Opera, let's say, and you don't know what you're doing, which could have been a description of me a couple times, uh, <laughs> uh, when you get 20 minutes to figure out somebody else's job, uh, uh, you'll get run over. Uh, there's not a lot of space, and uh, things move like a ballet backstage and in front of the stage. And the same thing with grape picking. Um, uh, really, we are looking at numbers and tasting fruit uh, to the day before we decide to pick that fruit the next day. And so you have to be pretty nimble. You have to know what tanks you have. We're a small winery, so, and we're also a premium winery, so we're not here to flip tanks every seven days. I mean, no offense to the guys who have to do it. I don't have to do that. Um, so we're really letting these fermentations sort of play out in their own natural time. And so that might be a 10-day, 15-day Pinot fermentation. So we're really trying to balance what's coming in next, what's pressing off, what's going to barrel, and then you have to schedule all of that. So it sort of becomes a ballet as well. Yeah, it's your own little production here. Yes, yeah. Well, so you don't just get to walk from one exit stage right, and you go into winemaking. So right. you had to go to school? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, actually had to sort of start over, because I, I, I didn't even take calculus in high school. I mean, I think I started calculus in high school, and then I dropped out. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, so I had to start over, essentially. So I was there at San Francisco State. There is a post-bac pre-med program there that if you want to go into any sciences, but you're coming from the art world or you came from something totally different, you can take that coursework without having to get a degree. I didn't have to declare a degree. Uh, I didn't have to, you know, say what I was going to, it's just a two-year program, essentially. You can take two or three years. Uh, but I started over from the beginning. Like, literally, I took, I took chemistry 1A. I took basic statistics. Uh, I took calculus. I took microbiology. All the basics you have to take to get into medical school you have to take to get into Davis um, as an undergrad and a graduate student. It's amazing. So I was sort of pre-med. My sister was a, is a doctor. My other sister is a, a research scientist. And I thought I was going to go into medicine. And then, um, then I happened to meet my husband, who I'm married to. And he had lived with his brother when he was a surgical resident. I had lived with my sister when she was a medical student at UCLA. She was a medical student. She's the oldest of six. I'm the youngest. Mm. So there's eight years between us. So she was in medical school while I was an undergrad. At UCLA. At UCLA. And we lived together. And... You know, so I had no, there was no romantic idea of medical school for me. And mm. uh, my husband, who I had met, just met at the time, kind of said, you know, I don't know if I want to be in a relationship with somebody who's going to medical school. And I didn't offend me. He was 36 and I was 28 and I, I got it, you know. And to be honest, I had taken at that point organic chemistry and, and I got an A, but it literally you do not see the light of day. Like, you just don't have a life. There's no quality of life there. So, I mean, un unless you're ready for that for the next eight years of your life or six years of your life, then then I started thinking about it. <laughs> and I thought, and to be honest, my sister, the doctor, said, you know, we don't need another doctor in the family. We need an enologist in the family. Uh -huh. And, you know, I laughed, and then I started thinking about it. I mean, I, I think she meant it as a joke. But um, but I also think it comes from that that same sense of, you know, 
I think they wanted me to sort of stay in the arts, mm -hmm. you know, and I think in, cause we already had a bunch of scientists in the family. And I think they also just wanted an inexpensive bottle of wine. Pop, that's <laughs> probably the, the real motivation. <laughs> exactly. The family so that, discount. So that's what happened. I wound up transferring all my units to Davis and sort of the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um, that required how many years before you were able actually to make a living at it? It was, it was a lot, but, but I will tell you, if you're in your late twenties and you aren't happy with what you're doing, I mean, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a house. I didn't have obligations. You know, just do it. What does it take to live on? I mean, I still worked as a stagehand during the summers and whenever they needed somebody in the holiday time. And I would make my little bit of money. I put a lot of things on credit cards, <laughs> you know, and I, you do it. You do it. And now it's worth it. Right. So because I'm, I'm so here, glad it takes a lot that. of work. Mm -hmm. But I tell my nieces and nephews, you know, especially if the economy's bad or things like this past year are going on, I, I say to them, go back to school. I mean, if you can, you know, the last year is unusual. I think Zoom school is difficult. Uh, I don't think I would be very good at it. I'm a very left-handed kind of right brain kind of person. Uh, but I think that uh, school is an important investment in you. And if you have to go in debt to do it, do it. And, and following your passion. Following, yeah. If you're doing something you love, it's yeah, not that's work. Right. It's not work. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So how did you come to be at RATH? I actually uh, applied for this job through Venn Jobs, which is UC Davis's, uh, uh, I guess their, their, their job, job posting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, and I got an interview and I think a part of it was, was I was older. I basically am a mechanic. I mean, I was a stagehand. I ran generators, you know, like I think in a small space like this where they wanted to leave the person here by themselves, you really need to know, not be scared of electric electricity. You need to not although I hate plumbing, you need to not be scared of plumbing. I know it's mm -hmm. funny that I'm a winemaker and I hate plumbing, but <laughs> plumbing in the winery is a little different than like plumbing in your house. <laughs> uh, Cause you know, electrons, you can't see them, but water, you can see water <laughs> uh, and it leaks. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so I think that was a part of the, the cell for me to be here. And I started as the assistant winemaker in 2004, literally right after I finished my, my degree at Davis. Great. So you found a home immediately. Yeah, that's right. And I haven't left, which is unusual in our business. Uh, but I've been able to grow with, with, at the time it was San Saba Bocage. And San Saba is the name of our home vineyard. And then uh, we became Wrath in, I think, 07. I think it was, 07 was the vintage. Um, but yeah, and uh, so so I've been able to evolve with the company, which is nice. Should we talk about the name? Yeah, where yeah, it comes yeah. From? Did you help with that? No, you know, actually, we were looking for names. Uh, Michael Thomas, who's the owner of Wrath, and myself. I mean, everybody in the company, like literally every day. It's the most disheartening feeling when you're looking for a name. And every day you come in with like the one you thought of last night. <laughs> I right? got the winner. And you, I got it. I got it. I got it. And you come in and everybody's like, no. no that's not <laughs> not going to work. You're like, shit. You're like, I thought that was it. You know? But one day he was visiting and he was coming down the road here. Uh, a beautiful road, River Road. If you're down here, please, please drive it. It's really beautiful. Um, and he's listening to Led Zeppelin's going to California. And, mm. and you know, I equate wrath with the grapes of wrath as well because one, the first thing I did when I started working here again was I reread a lot of this time that I had read in high school. Uh, but um, but he said, I've got it. I've got it. It's from Led Zeppelin. He's like, it's wrath. And I'm like, that's not from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, it's from it's from going to California. And then he, he, he played it for us. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, that's it. We're done. Like, that's it. 
You know, you just, mm-hmm. when you hear it, you know it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and um, it's a great the, song. The lyric, to quote it, says, it seems that the wrath of the gods got a punch on, on the, the nose. nose. Yep, yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and so once he said it, we were done. You know, because we just, we spent weeks thinking of names, and either it's taken, you know, it's really, mm-hmm. really hard to find a name. It is. Uh, or it's or it's somebody's second label, or mm-hmm. you know, and you know, we always worried about trademarks. You, my husband was a trademark lawyer, and he always says you you don't want to build your house on water. Don't build your house on water. Um, so you know, you don't want to build a business and come to find out that they were using the mark before you were on some sub brand. So it it's it's you know, we were very careful about it. But once he said that, it was done. It was really a done it, deal. It's a yeah. cool name. Yeah. Tell yeah. me how it fits this place. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is he talks about Led Zeppelin. I actually think it's it to me, it's the wind because the wind is probably the most challenging things when it comes to grape growing here. Um, rain is not a problem for us. We just don't get that much rain. But this north-south wind that Steinbeck actually talks about in a lot of his books, um, and the reason why when you come down here, you'll see all the, often the grapevines and all the big trees bend mm-hmm. uh, southerly. Um, to me, that's the thing that stresses the plant the most. When, when a grapevine gets too windy, when it gets too windy out here, it actually shuts down its respiration system. It'll shut what we call the stomata cells on the bottom of the leaves, and it'll actually stop respiring. It'll shut down. And that creates a lot of stress for the plant. And uh, we like to think that stressing a plant, a grapevine, tends to throw nutrients and flavor components into grapes uh, because basically the plant wants to, its progeny, to have as much stuff in it as it can before it dies, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like a lot of plants do. Uh, to protect the seeds and so it can grow again. Right, right. Fantastic. So you have brought out an array of wines that you make. I have. And um, let's get started let's with one wine because we want to hear the story of you through your wines. Okay, this is our, oh, I poured the wrong one first. Oh, That's I all right. That's right what the me. dump bucket is for. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. I'll just go for the shoulder. So the first wine is the... Um, the X Sav Blanc. X is our second label, and originally it was um, it's stainless. So the two whites we're going to taste are stainless, and then the Pinot originally is an early pick Pinot. We pick it at about 23 bricks. It's supposed to be sort of a lighter, more picnic-style Pinot, and we don't put as much oak on it. Originally it was all neutral oak, and now we put a little bit of new oak on it, uh, but not a lot. We really want to show the brightness. So this is our um, X Sav Blanc. X E X is the two big letters on it. And, and what does that signify? X is Latin for from. So originally it was ex anima from the, from the, I think it's from the energy or from the animation essentially, but now it's called just X, this line. Um, and we also have ex vitae, which is from the vine. That's our 100% whole cluster wine that we won't be tasting today, but is, is lovely. The owner of Wrath is an ar- archaeologist, so uh, we have a lot of Latin things. <laughs> and he, he works in Italy a lot, so... Um, he's actually so he's actually doing architectural digs. Uh, ar- yeah, archaeological digs. He has actually he had he had two, it's okay. He had two digs. He had um, I think one is stopped. At some point, I think you you lose your permit. But you know they had collected all of their items and are basically just working it out. And then another dig he still has actively going in Italy. Um, but it's amazing. He actually uh, found a um, a wine distribution center. Which is fantastic. I mean, Wait, I mean I, it gives me goose pimples. And he I, dug and up I, a wine distributor. Is that yeah, what you mean? Yeah, he actually found like, it was like literally loading 
stock with with cart ruts and then they knew they were tanning hides because they found a lot of pomegranate and so they were using these giant cow bladders to fill up with wine to take down to the boats and it i mean it's amazing what they found there it's, this it's is in italy this is in italy yeah Incredible. um it, it, it's the aplanus project I don't know if that's the one where they found the distribution center, but his work that he does uh, at the University of Texas is pretty fascinating. I, I stay up to it on, on, his, on their web page because I think it's so interesting. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you know how old that site that they're excavating is? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's something you'd have be to, really cool to, to look up. I'd hate to misspeak. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Hey, this Sauvignon Blanc is delicious. Yeah. Is this that 4 o'clock or 4.30 Yeah, yeah, this is our, <laughs> our 4.30 Sauvignon. Um, yeah, I love this wine. It's, um, you know, we keep it a little bit on the herby side because we like that style. Mm -hmm. um, I love this wine because it sort of shows our energy and what we're about. It doesn't get the best scores because it's a little herby, but I, I don't think Sauvignon Blancs in general get big scores, um, but we always show it because we don't care. <laughs> That's great. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's sort of our, it's our punk rock move. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But you know what? You love it. And so mm -hmm. why not? And that's what we want our listeners to be comfortable with. If you love the wine, it doesn't matter what the critics say. I think yeah, it's fantastic. It it's doesn't. Kind of and I just think it has to do with your own style. I mean, I always say no chef goes around insisting that you have the lamb if you don't like lamb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right. so it just doesn't work that way, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's really, yeah. it's got a great nose on it. Really fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this is the, um, the 19th. It's interesting because um, I think we're almost to the 2020. We usually release the vintage pretty fast. Like we bottle the 2020 in December, and it typically goes to market March, April. Um, we might, probably because of COVID, we're a little bit long in the 19, but when it's really, this seems to be a little creamy, which is kind of nice, actually. Mm -hmm. I like that little bit of richness in the mouth, mm -hmm. a little more of that honeydew melon. Sure, fantastic. The next one is the, the stainless steel Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. And again, this wine gets again gets dipped, bottled in December, and then it usually goes to market pretty quick. So, what are the varieties you're growing in San Saba? So, our home vineyard is Sablanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Syrah, and then we have some Falangina as well. Nice. We have two rows of Falangina at the very end, and I have that in the lineup here. If we have time, we'll. Well, because I have never even heard of it. It's an Italian white varietal. <laughs> it's Most fantastic. of the time, it's interesting because we, when we first, we do a lot of experiments here at Rath, and when we first planted it, even though we had two rows, I thought I was going to get a half ton. I got like three or four tons of that fruit. The clusters were really? huge. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing I'd ever seen, and um, and and then it sort of because it was the first grafting, it sort of went crazy, and then it sort of has calmed down since then. But yeah, I think if you did the math, it was cropping at like six tons an acre on the first on the first graft pick. Surprise! Yeah, I know, I know. And then we're like, because well, we're thinking, I'll get a half a ton. I'll make. I was gonna just do a regular direct to press white wine with it, and we had all of this stuff, and I'm like, well, let's just do a bunch of experiments. We've never used this wine, so we did. I mean, we did a whole 100% whole cluster. We did um, on skin for the full fermentation, in bin, juice only. I mean, we did everything. <laughs> and we really like the on skin, but I think this year we're going to split it. We're going to do a little direct to press, uh, like a regular white. The, uh, the unfortunate thing about that Falangina, we just tasted the Sablanc. It actually, when you do a regular standard white wine with it, uh, it doesn't have a huge amount of flavor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's very white. It almost looks like water. And oh. and I love Italian Falanginas, but it just doesn't grow the same way here. Mm -hmm. It really is so different here in California. Because it's not Italy. Yes, yeah. that's Good something you. you really like to do. Yeah, yeah. And Chardonnay's really nice, oh, too. Oh, it's I beautiful. Before we get too far off of it, I really have to compliment you on this. is a really nice, that great acid and 
um, just nice balance to it. Yeah, and and Mary, you were saying about you know taste what you like and 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 try everything, and and that's the one thing I want to say about Chardonnay is I'm not a big Chardonnay drinker. I usually drink uh, it in the bubble form, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I I make Chardonnay the way people who aren't big Chardonnay fans like Chardonnay with good acidity. I don't mind if you have fat, but you've got to have acid. Uh, I don't mind if the mid palate's lush, but it's got to finish clean. Mm -hmm. So even my biggest Chardonnay, which is our San Saba, which is full of malolactic and has a little more new French oak in it, it's still got a nice clean acidity on the finish. So if you come into my tasting room and you say, I don't drink Chardonnay, I might make you try it <laughs> because usually you'll realize that every winemaker is different and and I make four or five different Chardonnays to show those how they can be different and you almost will always walk out with a bottle of it oh that's terrific I could see that yeah fantastic so talk about being here in the San Lucia Highlands and the community and um, you mentioned the weather the, the the wind being a huge factor what else um, defines this region for you? Well, I, I also mentioned that I love the fact that it's not a monoculture. I love the fact that there are row crops, uh, there are lemons and avocados and grapes. And we used to have cactus here, and then we also had, we have a sheep field, so there's some sheep. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you, when you guys drive north on River Road, you'll see the sheep. Um, but it is just, uh, it was a real priority for me sort of coming into wine late later than most um, in my life that it, I went to a place that it was important if I was going to sort of stay there and have that be my community, uh, that it wasn't a monoculture. Because I think I nobody wants to sort of live and work uh, where where they work uh, and have it constantly be what everything is about. I think it can be a little bit hard mm-hmm. on your psyche a little bit. And I, the other thing I love about around here is like, you just came from Pisoni and Mark sent some lovely wines. Like these guys, <laughs> right. I, I, these guys around here, they've gotten my tractor out of a couple ditches. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, when you, there's no one to call, you call who you thinks might be around, you know? And so I love that. That is the mark of a nice neighbor in the Santa Lucia. You got my tractor out of a couple ditches. Yeah. No, it, it it's not is barring a cup of sugar it's (laughs) no it's not when I was first here um because this building site was new a lot of the dirt around it had was very soft and I was the only one here often when the builders were here building this building and I was at the winery it was fine because they had a great all and they would get if I got the forklift stuck they would just come get me out uh I'm sure they heard my wheels spinning they'd be like is that Sabrine (laughs) but after they left I would be stuck here so I would call the guys at MPI which is my vineyard management company or I'd have to call who you know Kirk Williams or somebody to come get get a winch in a truck (laughs) get me out I'm stuck (laughs) well let's try another wine and keep talking yeah this is the so the same line, the X line. These wines are all pretty low price point. I think the first two you just had are, are retail nineteen dollars. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh my goodness, yep. that's great. Yeah, really high quality. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then this one, I think, God, I'm terrible with pricing, and I should know better. Um, I think it's twenty seven or twenty eight. This is our Pinot. I love that it's really translucent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we picked this wine. We really conscientiously picked the huge component of this wine uh, at 23, 22 and a half, 23 bricks. We really sort of want it to be a brighter, more picnic style wine. Ooh. Oh, I love the cherry. It just Yeah. And, it, and we do still on this wine, we still do on most of all of our reds, we do a hundred 20% whole cluster. Mm. So you get that sort of stem component that sort of lifts the lifts the fruity part up a little bit of spiciness yeah that spiciness comes from those stems you bet so gosh i like that Mm, this is really good 
yeah, my kind of picnic. Juicy, pretty bright, <laughs> nice and acidic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great wine to make. And and it's it's not you know the the more acid you keep in these wines, the easier they are to make. So it makes my job easy. Oh, well, well, I had not heard that. Yeah, because because you don't have to worry. You know, higher pH wines, you worry about. Um, you know, microbes that like high pH. Uh, not mm-hmm. a lot of microbes, except for Acetobacter, which makes vinegar, likes a- mm-hmm. those kind of acids. So, um, yeah, you just, it, it's just a little bit less worry. It ages better at lower pH at a higher acid level. So um, it makes my job easier because I don't have to worry. I mean, I always say there's a fine line between efficiency and laziness. <laughs> <laughs> and girl, you are walking, I'm walking it. every day, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I walk the line. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so talk about your team here. I have a great team. Uh, Miguel Lepe and Rafael Vidalas are my two assistant winemakers here. And um, they run the winery. And we also have our own bottling line. So today when you guys showed up, they're bottling. Um, it's a lot of work to run a bottling line. In fact, probably the first five or six years of being here, my job was to run a bottling line. I mean, I was making wine too and doing everything else, but that's the thing that takes a lot of time. And bottling lines are um, very finicky things. Um, ours is Italian, so it's extra finicky. Wow. <laughs> Italian. Uh, but uh, but it, it's just a lot of mechanical things that operate on very low tolerance and it, they're constantly moving parts. So it's it's a, it, you know, you learn a lot. Not a lot of winemakers know how to run a bottling line. Uh, I think it's a good thing to know. Uh, it, it makes you pretty confident in your mechanical skills. After the first three or four years, I stopped having to call the mechanic, you know, from the co- bottling line company because I, I think I pretty much broken everything and fixed it. <laughs> fixed it yourself. <laughs> and took notes when the guy was here. Did he say, you know, once mm-hmm, you figure mm-hmm, out how mm-hmm. to fix all the parts and what the parts are, it's, it's not that complicated. But it took me about four years. I'd say four or five years. You are um, truly hands-on. Yeah, no, you have to be in, in a small winery. Uh, uh, it's I'm I'm not here writing work orders. There's just me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then there was me and one other guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, people would be like, do you have the work orders? And I'd be like, there's no work order. There's just the <laughs> two of us. Like, you know. Is this what you pictured it? when you thought I might like being a winemaker? You know, I, I knew that as a winemaker, because I was older and I knew the reality of it, which is, is you choose your career by choosing the size of winery you're going to work in. You choose your style by choosing the size of winery you're going to work in. Because when you go to work in a big winery, you don't get to choose the style. The style's already there. Established. And, and the, one, yeah. the one thing I love about Michael Thomas and I's relationship and our, our, the way we work, and even with uh, Miguel and Rafael, is we all make those decisions as a team. And, and luckily, I mean, to be honest, I got the job here and forgot to ask what their style was. And I was, like, so excited to get the <laughs> job. I said yes. <laughs> and then I went home to my boyfriend, now husband, and I said, I didn't really ask like like I didn't really ask what their style like was I hope I like it but the nice thing is is a small enough winery that you get to impose a little bit more of your style and I mean that's why they hire me right they hire me as an expert in me. Right. I mean at the time I wasn't an expert yet but you know you're hiring me to help you make the best wine possible mm-hmm. a- and um and even even some wines I mean, most of all the wines I make for Wrath are my style, but I have other um, people I make, uh, smaller clients that I make some small lots for. And, you know, they might want to do something that's not my thing. And I just have to tell them, you just need to know that's not my thing. Like, like You'll still make I'll it. I'll still make it, yeah. and I'll make it as best as you're telling me what you want. Uh, but just know it's not going to be my favorite wine out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's... God bless Gamay Rouge, but it's not my thing. <laughs> okay. okay, that's fine. I mean, I, I really want to like it. I will 
taste every gamay rouge you put in front of me, but there's something about the flavor of it that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the Wrath wines, and I want to talk about the label it's because a cool that's a label. Yes, um, the design, and um, this it's is where punk, we come. I think like you were talking about punk rock. It's got a, kind of a, it's edgy. Yeah, we actually had a, um, a street artist do this, so it's not a font. It's actually a piece of art, mm. and. Uh, uh, out of New York, he uh, did this design, and then it's a JPEG, essentially, um, which makes it difficult when you're trying to put stuff together. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, and then the, the uh, as you can tell by looking at it, the drawing uh, below is basically the silhouette of what's behind me. And that includes the, winery, and that's the, old the Victorian. House. And then this is, on the right-hand side, this is the SLH bench over here, and then that's our vineyard. And we're looking that's right at the, the SLH That's the same view, yeah, yeah. Yep. So the Victorian, did we... Did we talk about how that got here? It's called the the Stafford House, and and a Mr. He was a doctor in Salinas, and he um, I'm terrified of dripping on your equipment. <laughs> he uh, um, I know my husband would say, I can't believe you have liquid around the electronics. electronics. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. But um, but he uh, um, give you a little more. He uh, um. He was a doctor, and I think they had three or four kids. We have a little history on the house, and it was moved out here in the early seventies. And I think when uh, Dr. Lemon, who hired me out here, who's uh, Michael Thomas's um, uh, stepdad, he hired me. I think there was a dream of sort of using it as a tasting room, but it really, you'd have to just rebuild it. it we were chatting earlier. It's very small inside. You certainly could not fi fit a wheelchair down the hallway. Um, and it just, it, it would just, it literally, it, it, we blew on it, it would blow over. We've had contractors come in and sort of shore it up and, and make it so it doesn't fall down. Now that it's on our label, we try to make sure it doesn't fall down. <laughs> it's very pretty. It is very cool, yeah. People know us as the, you know, the, 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 usually they call it the creepy old house. Creepy <laughs> old house, that property that's with your the landmark. Old house. Yeah, yeah. Like as you look over this pond and the vineyards and then it's in um, the background there and it's really gorgeous with the, the hills and it's just, it's a beautiful setting. Yeah, it is pretty. It okh so this wine so is this is the, the our wrath one one five six six seven which are two clones of Pinot Noir that we have on our property um, we have more clones now we planted some right you guys are looking straight at the babies okay. um, so we, we, for our listeners and people like me who don't know what do you mean by one one five six six so these are clonal numbers we have about I think we have now eight or nine different clones on our property um, the original plantings of Pinot was six main clones. One one five six six seven, Pomar four and seven seven seven, and eight two eight and Swan. And the only thing that that um, wine drinkers need to know, unless they're geeky wine drinkers, uh, about clones is that it actually creates a difference in the flavor profile. We all are mutated. We all, you know, I always say clones are sort of like. Um, uh, you and your sister came from the same parents, but you're different, right? Yeah. Um, that's not exactly how it works, but but just I like for, it. It's yeah, it works for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the the if your difference is is that one has a furry leaf and one doesn't, I really don't care. But if your difference is is that you actually have distinct flavor characteristics, then I care. And that's why Pinot happens to be the the one variety of grape that actually mutates the most and has the most clones and that's why you see you'll see this on other brands labels where they have the clonal designation they're very different to me 115 is sort of like a structural component and is a little bit cherry sort of black cherry and 667 to me is totally being cherry black cherry so we put sort of the cherry berries together in this wine and this it's is really definitely nice. richer than the x 
yes. you know, that we were tasting. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And that, that X has some 115667 in it, too. It, it's mostly 828, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting to see when you ripen these, f- this fruit and you do as many experiments as we do, that you sort of see and you get to sort of pick where you want your structure and your flavor and how it feel, fills your mouth. You get to sort of pick that uh, by, by your picking times, essentially. Sure. That's the chemistry bit. That's cool. Yeah, right? no, you know, it's, um, and a bit of magic, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I always say, you know, it's they don't, they don't, they don't call it a guarantee. They call it farming. <laughs> 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 you know, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, this is this is this wine is actually. People ask me what my favorite Pinot is, and and I, I don't know. It's a toss up. But I love uh, this is my Friday night wine because. Um, on Friday, you don't want to think about it. You just want to drink it. Right. <laughs> you so want it to just be yummy. Mm-hmm. You it want your guarantee. Yeah. 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 I know. I think for a lot of people, they just don't want to think about wine. They want it to be yummy. Yeah. Uh, the unfortunate thing is I go to my home to my husband, who's a lawyer and a mediator, and all he wants to do on Friday is talk about wine, and that's like the last thing I want to do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's trying to bust out some French wine. I'm like, no, no. We're drinking 115667 tonight, baby. I want the sure thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. looking at some cows cruising by right now, which is super cool. Yeah, those are the Bianchi cows on Bianchi bench, and uh, the Bianchis uh, actually uh, they still live up in the house on the hill, and they still keep cows. There's a lot of cows around here, actually. I know Garrett Bukanugan has cows out in Carmel Valley, and you know, that's the beauty of this place. Yeah. You know, they're I call them my cows. They're not my cows. <laughs> <laughs> but and you have sheep. Yeah, we, we, tell uh, us about that. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't have sheep here, but we have yeah. sheep on the road for uh-huh. sure. And okay. when you guys drive north, you'll see Nissan wool. It used to be a wool company, and now they uh. they just have sheep. Uh, I don't know if they 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 process wool anymore, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and they have a little vineyard now on their property. They used to have more sheep, but everybody's putting in vineyards. <laughs> well, let's taste another wine. Yeah, yeah. and um, one. I mean, I know you you're know, so hands on. I hate here. pouring these stuff. Out. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. But just so for our listeners, we are pouring. <laughs> we have we have spit cups and a dump bucket. We are being responsible. Um, you're very hands-on here, but it's also reading that sometimes you will make lunch for the vineyard crews. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I'm all about the food. <laughs> In well, fact, if are you, you go, a good cook? Um, I cook the things I know. Like I, I'm pr- gotten pretty good at pizza. And I have a little pizza oven that I bring. Nice. And the nice thing about the little pizza oven is you can make a pizza in 90 seconds, I right. guess. So once we get everything prepped and going, I'll do the dough at home. and then. But once a week during harvest, I try to make these guys lunch. Because my vineyard, vineyard guys and for the, sell, for the harvest crew, because, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We always have a lot of food here. Just because it, if you forget your lunch, you, you need to eat. I mean, mm-hmm. I always yell at these guys for not eating breakfast, so I always have cereal and milk. <laughs> and, you know, keeping milk, if they don't drink it, I get mad. I'm like, you guys, are, you boys aren't eating your breakfast. You're not <laughs> drinking your milk. But uh, it shows the respect and the um, the appreciation you have for your crew. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, they need one day to not worry about it, you know, and just to relax. And I try to pick kind of a light work day. Uh, just so if they want to chill out, and we usually have some beer, <laughs> you know, we get to relax a little. Sure. We, we so go seven days do a week. Enjoy the occasional beer. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we, we during harvest we're seven days a week, and it's just you know you need a little break uh, and a little relaxing and and eating some good food. How far away do you live? I actually live in in the in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So I'm about an hour hour and a half hour and twenty minutes away. That's a um, commute. Yeah, it is a bit of a commute, uh, uh, but uh, it's worth it. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time and 
So on your commute, what do you do? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts? I listen to a lot think? of podcasts now. Um, I used to listen to a lot of NPR. Yeah, me too. Uh, and now I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a little bit of a true crimer. So. Oh, good. <laughs> Shout out to the true crime podcasts out there. Right. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Dateline. I listened to my Dateline this morning. Okay. They post two on every, every Tuesday. They post two. <laughs> two for. Yeah. Tell us about this wine. So this is... Um, this is, oh, what is this? Did I pour the same thing? Oh, no, I put it back. This is the, wait, did I pour the same thing twice? No, it tastes, no. Yeah, this is a Bukanugan. I, I screwed that. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is Bukanugan. Yeah, because you yeah. source grapes from other vineyards. I do, I do. And this is, yeah, this is Bukanugan. So this is, um, um, Bukanugan. Uh, uh, Garrett Isn't that Bukanugan. Isn't a great name? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Fun to say. Uh, John Bukanugan, uh, when I came here, was the owner uh, at, at uh, Bukanugan, and he was just starting to build the winery. Um, he unfortunately has since passed, but his son Garrett, and again, one of the hardest working people I know, <laughs> he, uh, he has cattle in Carmel Valley. He has grapes. He, they know they have cattle at an Oregon property. I mean, every time you look at the guy's Facebook feed, he's somewhere feeding something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's just a really hardworking guy. Um, but uh, I love this fruit. It's 113115 clone. 113, we actually planted 113 on our property in the little tiny plants out there uh, that are babies uh, because of this. I don't know anybody I've ever around here who has 113 other than Garrett. Maybe there is somebody, but I just don't know of them. And I love it because it's like eating. It, I always have flashbacks to my childhood when your mom would give you a popsicle and stick you in the middle of the linoleum floor and say, don't move. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to drip all over yeah, everything. It's just that too, it's a little too, when it's young, it really reconciles to a very pretty wine. But when it's young, it's very tutti fruity. And it makes me laugh. Like I feel like I'm, and you kind of feel like you're sucking on the uh, in a new oak barrel you feel like you're sucking on the popsicle stick a little bit you know like it has that oh, that's a character to it it's like the whole it's like the whole package of that image in one it's fun it's but a mouthful i like it it is but i also get some floral notes mm-hmm, on this mm-hmm. yeah we picked this actually really early and it tends to be um really high in acid and that reconciles too and i remember the first time i picked this fruit i said to garrett the acids are too high i can't pick it he goes sabrine they will fall out, believe me. And I had tasted his, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to trust the guy. And sure enough, we pick we pick about the first or second week of September when everything else picks the second or third week of September. He's my first Pinot that comes in the door besides the, the X Pinot, which yeah, we pick at pick. 23. Yeah. Uh, and it is, I mean, it always becomes this really gorgeous. You're right. It's very uh, fruity, uh, but very floral. Has a real sort of a white flower, mm-hmm. uh, violet component. Totally um, violet. Yeah, and then uh, we get a little um, bit, again, of that 20% stem in there. You get yes. a little spiciness from the I stem. I am also smelling that and tasting that. Do you, really? like, do you like to age your pinots? You know, we don't. We bottle these after 10 months. Um, uh, I think that, especially because we use a lot of stems, um, we were talking about acid earlier. There's a lot of potassium in stems, and they actually bind to acid, so you have to be really careful. And when the acids... Even though it tastes like it has a lot of acid, it, some of that's the tannin and the spiciness from the stem. So you have to just be really careful. And so aging, uh, uh, they're not crazy high in pH, but we always worry when we get above a 3.65 pH that we're concerned about aging and ageability. Uh, we actually just tasted through our uh, our 
our um, library, a 10-year library, because we, we just had our 10th year an anniversary here of, of Rath brand. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. and we were going to do something. Sip, sip but I think, I think, yeah, yeah, no to that. I, I, I think that we're going to do something probably next year just because we wanted to offer something for our club. And it's just been a little tricky. Uh, but I was really, really happy <laughs> with the way some of what I perceive as higher pH pinots have really aged really, really well. And I think a part of it is that the prettiness you get from the stem, like our ex vitae, which is 100% stem, is really this earl gray bergamot. Like mm -hmm. you get this really, it reconciles so differently than a non-stem uh, wine. And uh, I, I mean... We we only have ten years. We're, this is you know we're not in France where I have a hundred years of library wines, but uh, but it's exciting for me. Absolutely. Yeah. When I think about the job of a winemaker, I think one of the appealing things about it for me is that it seems to be a a, a job where you're constantly learning. Yeah. Oh yeah. That there's yeah. you know you you don't get to a point where you already know everything. Right. Because yeah. everything changes. No. And and I mean uh, you know we haven't talked about the fire, but you know none of us mm -hmm. have really dealt with that, and that was. And, you know, you call people and you'd be like, hey, so, um, so yeah, this is what I think. And they're like, oh, did you read the study? I'm like, well, you mean the one study? <laughs> 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 like, there's one paper out of Australia. We're all reading the same thing. Sure. Yeah, hold on, let me get this bottle of wine. Were you guys impacted by fire last year? You know, we had a lot of fire around us here. Um, we did a lot of work. Um, we all freaked out for about 10 minutes. And then we did a lot of work, which is we did a lot of juice samples. I actually got into a lot of the labs before things got crazy. Mm, because uh, they got so backed they up. They got backed up, but I was sending stuff actually down south before anybody else was because... Um, oh, you mean your grape samples? Our to samples, see? Yes. we were sending juice samples down, and then we were using the same juice samples and doing bucket fermentations quickly mm. uh, over a three or four day period in a bucket and then sending those samples down. So I actually- And you were looking to see whether the we're, fire had tainted anything? Yeah, we're looking mm -hmm. at uh, these guayacol compounds that are basically what makes barbecue or smoke smell and taste like smoke. Mm -hmm. It actually, mm -hmm. guayacol is actually naturally occurring in Syrah as well, so- Well, sometimes you drink a wine and you're like, oh, it's kind of smoky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Syrah is very much like that because it actually has guayacol in it. Uh, uh, so you can't sure. really do the test on Syrah because mm -hmm. you'll get a- you sort of get a false positive. Uh, uh, what you mm -hmm. can do, though, is test the juice and then test the, f you know, you can sort of, uh, or if you have old guayacol numbers from the year before on your Syrah, you can compare them. Mm -hmm. uh, but we all, you know, and all these these guys around here, these vineyard guys, you know, Kirk Williams, uh, Garrett, Bukanugan, all these guys that work with Steve McIntyre, like literally, uh, we would be in our tasting room here with all these samples, just trying to get more heads around it, you know, and... Mm -hmm. And I mean, I wish we were, we, if we weren't shooting from the hips so much, I, we could actually could have probably collected some good data and actually written a paper. Um, but we were just so busy. I mean, yeah, who had well, no trying to put out the fire right, that we yeah. didn't know, we didn't have the time to be methodical mm -hmm, about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I love about these guys, because they're farmers, I'm looking at data, but they're looking at like, how far can I see today? Uh, what does my weather station say? Do I feel like I'm in the smoke? What's my visibility like from three points? You know, like they are collecting ver like visual mm -hmm. data mm -hmm. and that was really important. Um, and so that, you know, I just wanted us to learn something. We made, we made uh, wine from uh, three or four vineyards. Uh, we made wine from all of our vineyards this year. I think there was only one we, we did not because they were um, pretty high in elevation. Uh, but we made that wine, and I had to deal with them as if we didn't put in a bottle, they would just charge me the picking costs, which was fine. And we only had to do that with one other person, and all the other wine was fine. Oh. But I don't know how you would know. 
you know, and I sort of told them, if you're going to dump it on the ground, let's just pick it and mm. make a two lot, two ton lot, a three ton lot and see what we get. And we'll, we'll run it. Nice. You know, mm-hmm. we'll all share the cost of the analysis and that'll be, and we'll know we'll have mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Right. it's been, you know, that's something, you know, we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we learned a well, lot. Well, you're going to need yeah, that knowledge, know it, it looks like, I, right? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, but we'll see, you know, I mean, I do think so probably sooner than later. Uh, yeah. But, but um, it's good to have that baseline, if you will. Right. Um, so we have another one in yep. our glass. This is our San Saba Pinot. This is beautiful. So we pick this. We lay out all of our barrels for all of our Pinot blends, and this is the one we pick first. Okay. And we literally score all the barrels. Um, and we sometimes we taste too many barrels in one day, and there just has a happy face on the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a lot of happy faces on these barrels that we tasted at the end of the yesterday. Oh, that's you know? a good sign. Yeah, uh, so sometimes we have to retaste some of them because we're not being particularly critical. Sure. Uh, the one good thing about w- what we do here is we're very careful about uh, cleanliness, and we've been doing it for a long time, that um, there are very few barrels that kick, get kicked out. They typically get kicked out um, – just because we we on, we know we only need 800 cases of something and we just don't we always bring in an extra 5% and sometimes we have that extra 5% left over and sometimes we don't uh, but um, I I love this wine uh, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure it tends to be higher in new french oak uh, than our other blends uh, oftentimes it tends to be really high in new french oak <laughs> and then we're like well it can't be that so we'll pull the blend together on blending day I'm like e, and we'll count and I'm like yeah it can't be 60% we have to go down <laughs> at least 35 so uh you know we then we have to take some barrels out and put some other barrels in mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh but we try to make it balanced you know we it's might. really nice it's got it's rich but it also has a nice a- acid flavor too that yep. um, with, gives it some structure and stuff a lot of spiciness a lot of spice a lot of anise yep yep I think so too yeah uh, I I actually we use uh, we have three main coopers that we use we Another thing we experiment in is cooperage, but usually they're onesies and, or twosies typically. Uh, I'll, I'll buy two or four of something I want to try. Uh, the three main ones we use here are Terenceau, Ramon, and Hermitage is my favorite. Um, I love Hermitage barrels because I think that you get the baker's spice that is more nutmeg and clove to me than cinnamon and vanilla. I think I love those. And um, oftentimes, sometimes a Szechuan peppercorn, like those sort mm. of numbing mm-hmm. uh, characteristics that you get from nutmeg and clove. And, and I just think it's really uplifting. It has mm-hmm. a vibrancy to it. And I think this would be a great pairing with barbecue and i've seen your instagram feed and there's it's full of brisket and barbecue <laughs> yes 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 yes. michael lives in texas so uh, he's the barbecuer yes, uh, yes fantastic i fancy myself as a barbecuer till i look at his our instagram feed and then i realize i'm really not <laughs> but i think that's fun and porchetta too i saw some nice looking porchetta yes yes and every mm-hmm. time you go down there he takes you to all these barbecue places and Ooh. i'm like i just don't know if i need any more meat right now <laughs> <laughs> of course you do of course absolutely <laughs> so your wine obviously pairs well with barbecue that's you right you mentioned pizza do you have any other favorite um things we, that you we always do a for our harvest dinner here because uh, i'm uh uh Cl- californian um uh we do a chipino Oh, and I have great. a giant paella pan that I actually did not buy for paella. I bought it for a chipino. And, um, and so I get it on the Weber, and we do a big chipino here over the, oh, that's over cool. the Weber. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I, we, we do that for right before harvest, usually the end of August. Uh, we, we after, after bottling, but before, 
before grapes start rolling in, and it, it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, I've asked great. that question before, but I've never had someone say chipino, and I love that. That's yeah, fantastic. and it's funny because my I'm the youngest of six, so my mom she always used. We lived in Marin County in Novato, and uh, and she had the it was a recipe from the old fireman's cookbook from the local firehouse. Oh, that's fun. And they and I don't think they put rice in it, but she always put rice in it because I mean there were eight people. You got to extend that crap. It's expensive. So whenever I make it, there's always a little rice in the bottom, oh, so you can right. finish oh, your. That's uh, the secret. Your soup, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't so tell funny. anybody. Okay. <laughs> the mom stretch. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. Now. As you're pouring this next wine, let's talk about your chickens. Oh, yes, my babies. Your babies. I have... How I, many do you have? Uh, the, 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 we have some old girls who are passing on, but I had, um, I think I have 26 now. 26? Um, yes, yes. Oh, we have actually two that are going to be 10. They're nine going on 10. How big is your coop? We have a big coop. We have two coops in a big run, and then we have like sort of, we call it um, uh, small freedom, where they get to go out of the enclosed coop into like an open area. And, and then big freedom is they just get to run wherever they want. We, we don't <laughs> let them have big freedom that much. But, um, but they have a, um, you know, we're in the Santa Cruz Mountains, so we have a, um, a puma-proof cage and run mm -hmm. and for them to, when we're not there so mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't get hurt. But, um, but they're the best pets. I highly, highly recommend it. How many eggs are you getting with right that? Right now, because we have a bunch of old girls, we get about eight or ten eggs a day. And some, now they're going to start molting, so they, they'll slow down a little bit. Okay. But um, we have, you know, we have a, I keep forgetting how old some of them are. Um, I think most of them are five years and older, and that's sort of when they stop laying, four to five years. Okay. Stop laying. So then they become just uh, more pets. Yeah, they're definitely, mm -hmm. they're our, we call them the huggables. Huggables, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So this is the Syrah we're tasting. Ooh, this is our uh, San Saba Syrah. Get a little of that smokiness. Yeah, that yeah, guayacol. the 17. Yep, for sure, yeah. Have you ever smelled straight guayacol? You know, I don't know if I have. I, I might have in, in, in sensory class years ago, but. Yeah, I have. I actually have a little vial of it at home because oh, right. I'm really into perfume. Right. And um, I got a, a vial from a perfumer because I, you know, we were talking about wine and things. You should, you might be interested in this. Right. It, it's super strong. Smoky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like liquid smoke. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I in case of emergency, grab the quiet, the quiet call. I actually make my own soap, so I, I have you a do? lot of essential oils. Ah. Uh, and then I use them for sensory class mm -hmm. when I mm -hmm. train. We train our staff and stuff. So, yeah, it, it works out. But I don't have quiet call. But we, I use um, you know, li the liquid smoke you can buy mm -hmm, at the sure. grocery store. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's neat. You make your own soap. Yeah, it's 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 once you get all the stuff, it's not hard. But um, but I you know I make a couple batches a year and. Uh, and this it, is just body soap or do you shampoo yeah. too no just body soap just mm -hmm. regular saponified soap what's your favorite flavor is that the right i make a I, I always whenever i do a batch i always do a big batch of lavender, lavender. a big batch of something else whatever i decide to do that day mm -hmm. but I, I always do a um uh usually a sunflower based oil soap okay. with lavender and poppy seeds in it so Ooh, a little lance yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta have that but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now my sister's gotten into making stuff, which is good because it used to be I'd do it two batches a year and I'd l it'd last me the whole year mm -hmm. plus Christmas gifts. Now then everybody wants it for Christmas and I have to do like, so now she's making, I'm like, you give some Christmas stuff away, yeah, I right. give some Christmas stuff away. <laughs> Balance it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm not just a soap maker, you know. <laughs> this is amazing. This is really good, yeah. You know, the beauty of this wine is it is a cool climate Syrah, so mm -hmm. you get 
the fruitiness, but you also get a lot of that. I always call it the curry spices, that caraway mm-hmm. and cardamom. Yes. And, oh, yeah. and, and it just reminds me of a good, like you're toasting herbs or spices for a curry. Mm. And I just, I love that. I love that, that subtlety mm-hmm. uh, because I think Syrah, you know, things get very rich for me. I'm not a sweets eater particularly. I'm not a sweets drinker. Uh, things get very rich for me very, very fast. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you drink some of these big Syrahs, it's just hard to drink, you know. it's It can be a little bit of a struggle. So I agree. I love these sort of uh, cooler climate, higher mm-hmm. acid, more mm-hmm. herbaceousness. Sure, components. sure. A little bit earthier. Yep, yep. More spice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah, I, I love this wine. It's uh, it's my other go-to. And are you guys, are these your grapes? Yep, or do you yep. we get about 12 tons out of here. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot. We have like three acres. We have three clones, though, and so they sort of create a complexity. Mm-hmm. Just like just like different Coopers create a complexity for me, different stem treatments create a complexity for me, different clones create a complexity for me. So would you rather be a chef that just gets salt and pepper, or would you rather be a chef that gets a whole pantry of spices? Mm-hmm. Like, I get a whole pantry of spices, and we try to keep them separate, so then we can use them that way. And if you think about it that way, it's that's what, you when you talk about keeping your job exciting, that's what keeps my job exciting. I love that description, the pantry of spices. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, we have one last wine oh, yeah. that we definitely want to get to because it's really some. different. Yes. Oh, this that Syrah, y'all, is really beautiful. Yeah. You can get your hands on a bottle. I highly recommend it. Thanks for sharing all that with us. Oh, yeah, of course. I just want to grab some glassware there because we're going to actually finish this with a glass of our ex dolio, Falangina. Italian white varietal that we do here on skins. It's a dry wine, so it's not sweet, even though it looks like a sweet wine. The so color is almost orange. Well, would you call this an orange wine? Well, I or can't legally call contact. it an orange wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a skin contact white wine, essentially. And we make it in the dolio. We make it in terracotta. Okay. We make it in terracotta? Yeah, so it, we'll take you through the winery when we're done, and you'll see our big terracotta. I call them my really expensive terracotta flower pots. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're um, fermenters, and normally in Europe, in Eastern Europe, in fact, I still think they use them at a lot of wineries. They'll, they'll be in the ground. They'll dig a hole, and you'll just see the mouth yes. of the dolio. Oh, to keep it cool in the uh, To keep it cool. And then, um, and then we ferment in them, and then, you know, I always joke because I think in – in gladiator days, they used to put gladiator sweat and all sorts of stuff in wine. <laughs> and we, this is unfiltered. I always say we, we keep it old school, but at least we don't put gladiator sweat in it. Thank you. <laughs> so <yeah>. that's good. <laughs> but it is unfiltered, so you'll see some mm-hmm. some uh, particles and some tartrates and other things in there. This but is, it's, uh, this is going to sound like maybe this is a, well, I, maybe it's a dumb question, although you're they're not supposed to be dumb questions, right. but doesn't it seep into the terracotta it actually the the terracotta we get we get air permeation. It does have a coating on the inside. You can actually order them with a with a um, I think it's a it's a beeswax coating. Ours do not have beeswax coating, uh, but no, it doesn't. But it does breathe. I mean, these are the reason why people are using concrete in all these interesting shapes now. Is I think a because we have a better ability to clean them, whereas mm. we didn't used to, uh, and and b we kind of want a little air. Some wines need a little air. Um, I know there's a paranoia, especially with Pinot and air. 
and and people think Pinot is very delicate. Um, I think Pinot can be delicate. Uh, I, I think actually Pinot is more durable than we give it credit for. Um, and I think it can it can use a little bit of of, of energy in it. Um, I, I think that a lot of people are moving toward these uh, concrete eggs in these terracotta pots because I think it's a little more natural. Um, and I think we don't mind that it has a little air. You just have to watch mm -hmm. it more. You have mm -hmm. to be more careful. Uh, and you have to make sure you get the tanks, the, the containers get clean. Wow. Yeah, it's like... This is like a little explosion in your you mouth. You know, it's interesting because I think this is a cheese course wine. A again, mm. I'm not a big sweet... Uh, it's very... Dr it's, dry, it's dry. So it's not mm. sweet, even though it looks like a sweet wine. It looks like a sherry almost. Uh, but it has... Uh, to me, it's like the dried apricot on your cheese yes. plate. So I love it with um, like a salty, like a um, pecorino. I love it with salty cheese because I think it's sort of that dried apricot. It's well, it that, even has the look of yeah, it. Yeah, it does. And, 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 and once you say that to people, they... Oh, taste it. I think most people pick it up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. That it's very mm -hmm. dried apricot to me. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, really fun. It even smells like a dried apricot. It's so good. It does. <laughs> and I, the scary thing about this wine is, although it's not high in alcohol, because we we pick it at we pick it so early because it it the the pH is is really low. It, it literally I pick it when it's at three pH because if I waited any longer, it'd be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so different than how it grows in Italy. I. When I, we first planted this fruit, I had been tasting a lot of 11% Italian falanginas. And I'm like, great, I'm going to have another super bright white. I love them. My thing. Got it. I went out and checked it at 22 bricks. The pH was 2.6. Like, you, you can't eat this. You can't even put it in your mouth. It's so acidic. Wow. <laughs> I mean, stomach acid is like 2.57 or something. I, don't, I mean, it's, it's, mm. it's horrible. Mm. And so I stopped looking at sugars, and you just have to look at acids. And when it would get to like 2.95, 2.98, Close to three, I would just pick it, and it would be November. So wow. I mean, otherwise, it just it's just different here. It, mm -hmm. You know, we. It's always my biggest problem when people say, "Oh, the San Lucias are like the Cote d'Or." I'm like, "Yeah, except for this is California. Like this is California, guys. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Stop worrying about it, just and just make the, the just own yeah. it and Thank do you what you got to do." And and so, the, but you know, that was my naivete though. I was like, I'm going to make an 11% Falangina. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, no, no, you're not. not in California. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Well, I love that you like to experiment. Oh, that, yeah. you know, that you're always looking for something different and that you take on a challenge like this right. with, you know, not un with uncertain results. Yeah, you, I mean, this was, a lot of it was based too on, on, on Michael's influence because he drinks a lot of Falangina in Italy oh. when he's there. Um, not like this. I think he drinks mostly bright white falanginas. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. very refreshing. They it's are. something you'd have at like a mm -hmm. noon time mm -hmm. with your lunch with a piece of fish. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a little different than that. But, um, but it's really cool. Yeah, it's I great. Like it. Yeah, I yeah. love it too. I love it. So Sabrine, for folks who are listening, they can come visit you at, here at the tasting room in the Salinas Valley. But you also have another tasting room. Yeah, we have a tasting room in Carmel, in the Carmel Plaza Shopping Center. We're right next to the cheese shop down in the lower level. Good place to be. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lovely place to be, and we have some great neighbors there, um, and, uh, the cheese shop being one of them. Uh, and then we're open there seven days a week. Uh, we're open here out at the winery uh, Friday through Monday, so mostly over the weekend. 
Well, you just have an incredible selection of wonderful wines that are really expressive of this area, but also just um, beautifully made. So hats off to oh, you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, you. Take a big theatrical bow because... Encore. Encore, encore. You figure after 17 harvests, you sort of kind of figured it out, you know. Mm. But there's always something... You're right. There is always something to learn. I'm mm. always trying to figure stuff out. And I mean, that's part of what keeps my job interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has been such a pleasure tasting with you, getting to hang out in this beautiful location right. on a beautiful day. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having yes, me. We've had a ball and we thank you for the wine yeah. and Cheers. for the time. Sip, sip, hooray. Sip, sip, yes. <laughs>